Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyral and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. And now, prepare your hearts as Pastor Nyral begins to speak on the topic of faith and praise. Your body would be empowered to go forth and be everything you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I would like to just jump right into the word. First of all, this is the this is the second week of Advent. Um, at, well, before we go, let me explain. We have a, a lot of moving parts this week for First Love Fellowship because several people are are out today, including my wife, who is currently at First Methodist Church doing the Christmas program that she has been diligently preparing for all what for the past couple of months now and so she's doing that right now my oldest son he was he worked a bit late so he is currently resting and so today first love online church is is kind of just me so i am the tech guy i am the producer and i am also bringing this message so thank you all for being patient if anything goes crazy just say so in the chat and i'll do my best to address whatever we need to do so anyway uh, let's 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 get moving. Um, I am I am really blessed and happy to to be able to to do this today. Is the second week, if you don't know, the second week of Advent, the second week that we're celebrating the Advent, and this is the week that we speak of the peace of God. That's what this this day is all about, peace. And so I want to read the scripture from Isaiah chapter forty, verses nine through eleven. And it says here, it says here, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and he recompenses, uh, 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 accompanies, his recompenses accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the God. What's amazing about the peace of God uh, to remember this time of year is that not only is God a God of peace, not only does, does God even tell us to, to seek peace and pursue it, but he is the God who can guarantee the peace. He's the God who can make the peace happen. So during this second week of Advent, as we get closer to the Christmas, uh, Christmas day, let us remember peace. Remember the angels when they sang when, uh, about his arrival. They said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to, to all men. And that's something we have to remember is that he came, he came as the Prince of Peace. I think it's amazing that, you know, Jesus said when he walked the earth, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Do you know why he bought a sword? So that he could establish the peace. Like the, the, the peace comes after the warfare. I like to tell people that the, the Christmas story is actually as, as sacred and, and, and beautiful as that Christmas story is. I want you to understand that the, the, the child being born and, and lying in a manger, 
this was a declaration of war. This is a world in turmoil, and now God is sending a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Like the rescue plan came into operation on Christmas Day. In fact, right when Mary was con when, when Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, the rescue plan came to the earth. And so the power of God began to move in order to purchase the redemption of mankind so that all who believe can be saved. So, yes, Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, we, we are going to continue to celebrate the Advent as we go forward and talk about the different weeks and join together with a larger body of Christ to discuss exactly the same message. That's what I love about this Christmas season, even the Advent season. I love it because it's like the body of Christ, its message comes together and we all begin saying the same thing. So that is just uh, the, the, the most, this is indeed the most wonderful time of the year. All right. Now for the past few weeks, boy, it's been, it's been over a month now, we've been talking about faith. And we've been talking about, well, we began, of course, with talking about devotion. Because I don't really believe that, that, that faith has the proper environment to work in unless you have a strong devotional life. So let's stop right there. If you don't have a prayer life, if you don't have a life where, where you take time out to be in the word of God and, 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 and praying and seeking his face, I don't know how you or anyone can think that they're operating in faith at all. We talked about this. So devotion, your devotional life fuels three things. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is a list. Your devotional life though ought to fuel three things. It, number one, it inspires direction. It inspires direction. So Proverbs 3, 6 talks about this. Um, um, Proverbs 16, 9 talks about this. It inspires direction. I'm not going to get too much into all of these because it's all included in previous messages. I'm only reviewing what we've been talking about. All right, so devotion, number one, inspires direction. Number two, it fuels your diligence. Oh, did we talk about diligence? And honestly, I, I wish we could talk about it some more. I, I hope you remember what we spoke about when it came to diligence. Like there, there's this thing in a body of Christ where, where we want instant victory. We want, we want instant triumph. We want instant answers. And, and sometimes you can be praying for a financial breakthrough and, and God could be putting you in a direction in life that's going to bring that financial breakthrough. But it's going to require that you put the diligence in necessary so that you can be in position for financial breakthrough. And so you can be praying for financial breakthrough and God could be saying to buy a hotel or a chain of hotels. And, and so the, the answer is not going to come out of the sky. You're going to have to learn some things before you buy hotels. And, and yet, your devotional life fuels the diligence to, to do so. Now, now I, I know people are saying, well, there's no way I'm going to buy a hotel anytime soon. And, and see, that's the problem with our thinking. See, somebody out there bought a hotel. Somebody out there, literally, I was, I was reading about Elon Musk. The man is shooting spaceships up into the sky. Like, like somebody out there is dreaming big and thinking in terms of having the greatest possible impact. We as believers ought to do the same thing, but what we do is when we dream big, we do so to the glory of God. We ask ourselves the question, how can God get the most glory out of the labor that I do? And yes, there is labor, there is work to do. When you present your body before God, a living sacrifice, there is work to be put on a table. Like You don't just sit there and wait for, for, for answers to prayer to drop out of the sky. 
And so your devotional life fuels that diligence. It, it's what, what makes you do what you do. You know, a lot of times we talk about the um, the or, or, obituary where, where people discuss after they die, other people discuss the life of that person and the things they accomplished and did and everything. Man, I, I hope I hope that when, when your time comes to go on with the Lord, that your obituary is epic. Epic. I, I hope that when your time comes, that when they speak of you, uh, I'm sorry, it's not the obituary. <laughs> it's the eulogy. Because the, 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 that's what speaks of it. And I believe the word blessed in scripture, one of the, the, the words is uh, eulogia, which is to speak well of. The, your eulogy, I hope that your eulogy is epic. But listen, I don't, I don't know what to say about a person who won't put the work in. But if you're that kind of person that just feels like you don't have the energy to do what God's calling you to do, your devotional life fuels that diligence. All right. Remember, number one, your devotional life inspires direction. Number two, your devotional life fuels diligence. Number three, your devotional life governs desire. So you're not going forward with an agenda that is uninspired. That you're not going forward with an agenda that is not being uh, birthed by the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And so let's make sure that what we want is correct. See, it's not, you know, even when Jesus says things in scripture, like in Mark 11, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. See, it's not that you can just think up whatever you want and all of a sudden, bing, it's there. Some of you may have tried it. It didn't happen. You understand. Uh, but, but when the spirit of God governs your desire, when your devotional life uh, is there to govern that desire by the spirit of God, what that means now is that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit and wanting that very thing. You're hearing the Spirit speak, and once you hear the Spirit speak, that becomes the thing that you want. That way, it, it makes perfect sense, right? When Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, that was birthed out of his prayer life. That conclusion was birthed out of his prayer life, which governed his desire. And so you can have something you want, but when you submit it to your devotional life and the Holy Spirit begins to speak and talk about what God wants, you lay aside your will and allow your desires to be governed through your devotional life by the Spirit of God. And see, that's how the devotional life works. And this is really uh, when you have your direction inspired and your diligence fueled and your desires governed through your prayer life and your life in a word and fasting and communion and consecration. When you have your, your life governed through that, uh, that gives the atmosphere for faith to operate because you're no longer double-minded. Remember James. He said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And he's like, let not that man think he should receive anything from the Lord. And so God does things this way where he wants you to submit yourself devotionally. Submit yourself, your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's Romans 12, chapter 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? See, that's it right there, right? 
you present yourself a living sacrifice. And what happens is the results are this. You get to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right. So we talked about faith in that context. And then we began talking about something special. I love this. It was the next seven years. Like what if your devotion life became the governing force behind everything you do? Like hearing from the Holy Spirit in your devotional life, it, it becomes the governing force because, you know, the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, if you're being led by the Spirit, then you can start to say, okay, as the Spirit reveals, that's the direction I'm going. So we talked about the next seven years. What does that look like? What are you believing God for in this next seven years? Did you write down a dream yet? Did you write down any of the big dreams that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you through your devotional life? Not just things you just think up, you know, oh, my dream is to have a million dollars. No, that, that's not it, right? Like, what has God spoken to you? And I'm talking about the big one. What is the Lord saying? Did you write it down? Did you consider what God is, is speaking to you and actually take it seriously? Because in seven years, for most people, when you don't write things down, for most people, what happens is seven years from now, you'll be living life pretty much the same way you're living life now, only older. That's it. You'll just be older. And you'll be pretty much doing the exact same thing you're doing now. Maybe some of you by then will have gotten married. Maybe some of you have had, will have had career changes. But when it comes to the God thing, nothing's changed. Everything is pretty much mundane. And you're going to church and coming home, going to church and coming home, going to church and coming home without any real impact on the world. So the next seven years when it comes to faith. And we talked about some of the things faith can do. Remember? We, we, we spoke of the idea that in Leviticus chapter 25, it speaks to the, the Sabbath land where, where God tells them that for six years they'll take care of their vines and gather their fruit. But the seventh year will be a year of rest for the land, a year of rest for the Lord. And it says that God said not to plant seeds on that land or on that field or take care of any of the vines uh, that, that have not been cared for. The land will have a year of rest. And during this year of rest, the land will give you food. Like you labor for six years and you toil over that land. But in the seventh year, what happens is a transition occurs where that land begins to feed you. And it doesn't just say you. It says for your men and your women, your servants or your employees, uh, the, the, the men who you pay to work for you and the stranger who lives with you, even your cattle and animals in your land will have food to eat. See, the land begins to feed you and those who are looking to you. And so from that seven-year land Sabbath, begin to say, wait a minute, in seven years, what are we doing with our land? What are we doing with the context of our life? So this has been year one, 2023. 2030 will be year seven. So there's, there should be an expectation in the seventh year that by, by 2030, the seeds that you're sowing ought to be feeding you by then. And not everything will take seven years. But we talked about what can be done in seven years. You can go from a GED to a master's degree in seven years. You can go from a poor credit score to an excellent credit score. 
in seven years. That's right, like that 800 credit score, right? You can master a new skill in a marketplace in seven years. And I mean a major skill. I'm not talking about like you learned how to type and use Excel. I'm talking about like you can do something huge in seven years. You can learn to pilot an airplane in seven years, less than seven years. All right, you can literally, if you're a college graduate in seven years, you can become a brain surgeon. You can become a medical doctor if you're not if you're finished college now. You can become a medical doctor. You know, if you in seven years, if you were 850 pounds, you can reset your entire physical makeup in seven years. If you're 850 pounds, you can lose 700 of those pounds at the rate of eight pounds per month in seven years. See, you know why these things don't happen, right? They don't happen because we don't commit ourselves to our own dreams. So often, the body of Christ, we talk up a big game, but in reality, we don't commit ourselves to our own dreams. And, and so I would admonish you this, this morning, these are your dreams. Take them seriously. All right. In seven years, you can raise a teenager. That's right. From 13 to 19 years old, that is seven years time. You can travel the world in seven years, visiting one continent per year, um, you know, starting with the one you live in right now. You can train to be an astronaut. I mean, like, literally, you're flying in space, right? You can train to do that in seven years. You know, if you're, you can be middle-aged and learn to play a sport at a professional level for your age bracket. And you'll be surprised just how much more you can do seven years going forward. Also, you can learn almost any language fluently. Any which means that, like, you know, we, we at First Love Fellowship, we say we want to reach the world. We want to have churches all over the planet. Well, I mean, maybe that means that somebody's going to have to start a church in, in China. But if you're going to do that, you have to be able to speak the language. Maybe you'll start a church in Japan. I don't know, but if you're going to do that, you have to be able to speak their language. You can't go to Poland and demand that they speak your English. You have to be able to speak the Polish language. You can go out to indigenous tribes and those languages that no one knows except that tribe. And you can spend time among that tribe, learn their language, learn their culture, and bring to them the gospel. That's what missionaries do. Listen, you can learn almost any language fluently in seven years. I think one of the biggest problems with the, in the body of Christ, though, is we tend to relegate ourselves to the status of being needers and being searchers or desirers. We're wanters. And, and so as a result, we, we want a lot of things, but we don't have anything to show that, that we've really put in the, 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 the labor and the work for it. It says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. I mean, like, you're either engaged in the disciplines to get those things done, or you're not engaged in the discipline to get those things. And honestly... I am really, um, I'm really tired, friends. I, I've gone a long time in my own Christian life uh, in the past. I've gone a long time of dreaming and one-daying. I remember before we started First Love Fellowship, I was always saying, you know, one day we're going to do this. One day, this is the dream. I want you to know, First Love Fellowship, you are the dream, right? You are the dream. You're my dream, right? Like, like there was a point in time in my life where I was just one-daying, one day I'm going to do this, and I was dreaming. But eventually... You want to see some real concrete things happen. And this is all, remember, this is not so that some selfish agenda can be fulfilled. Whatever you're writing down for the next seven years, it ought to be something that has been birthed in prayer. 
It has been birthed in seeking the Lord. It's been birthed in laying down yourself and abandoning yourself before God, presenting yourself a living sacrifice. That's what this is all about. It's not just about having some random dream for some selfish agenda, but we want to see some real things happen. We want to see it come to pass. And so let's, let's not fall for the trick of the adversary to get locked into a, a church community, a job, uh, any kind of community really, that influences you to mediocrity. You can literally, in the wrong environment, you can literally be inspired to be unfaithful to your own dreams. And um, I, I heard a statement one time, some time ago, it, was, it said that it is better to be consistent than to be severe. And honestly, we, our, we see results and progress in life not through um, the extreme things we do, but we see progress in life through the little things we do every day consistently. But we have to be consistent. We have to be diligent in our being consistent, right? Let us not suffer the pain of discipline. Um, rather, let, let us suffer, rather. Let us suffer the pain of discipline rather than the pain of regret. Um, to allow time to go casually by, it's like a slow suicide. A slow suicide, like you just, the time just goes by, another day wasted, another night wasted, and you're not really moving forward to the, with the reason why God's put you on this earth. That is the death of so many people and a death of so much potential. You know, don't you, don't you get tired of people telling, maybe this is you, I don't know, where people tell you, you know, you have so much potential. When people tell you that what they're saying is they're recognizing that you're not using the potential, the potential that's, oper that, that's available in you. And so, you know, you, you have to be faithful to, your, to, to what you're doing, consistent. You cannot operate in faith. Listen to this. You cannot operate in faith without being faithful. As in faithful. You cannot operate in faith without being faithful. When you are faithful, your life changes. You do things differently. All right? So, so faithfulness is a big deal. So, Lord, we ought to be saying, give me a faithful spirit. Give me an excellent spirit. Now, this is a, a serious matter. I want you to understand this is not what I'm communicating with you right now. This is not just some novelty message. Um, it could be the death. It could be death or life for someone. Like fulfilling your dream can save someone's life. So when I say write down those next seven years and be prayerful about it, I really mean like by 2030, we ought to all have seen a, a testimony evident in you. Some of you may have a great career. Some of you may be married and have a bunch of kids. And that's the seven-year thing for you. That's what you want to see. And it's something that God's put in your heart. Right. Well, then let's let's go. Some of you may have other types of goals that we haven't even discussed here, but let's take our future seriously. God did not put us in this earth just to exist. He didn't put us here just to just to, to stare life in the face and watch the whole world around us fulfill purpose while we're just standing there. No, no. We complain about politicians. We complain about uh, uh, senators and presidents and mayors and representatives and governors. We do all this complaining about what's going on politically. Okay, well, then why not step in a ring? Because if not you, somebody not sent from God will. 
But if you're called to do it, don't just talk about it, be about it. Because if you don't, if you don't step out and become that thing, somebody who is not sent from God is going to do it. And they're going to do that in your place while you're sitting there on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter giving your opinion on some political issue when you could be the governor, but you chose not to because you spent all your time on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I'm letting you know there's, 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 you know, there, there's room for you in this world to fulfill the purpose that God put you here for, you know? And, and another thing is that we, we have this tendency, right? Where we, we, we imagine things, but we don't, we don't fulfill it. So, you know, many of us were, you know, writing books no one reads and recording songs no one will listen to, creating products that no one uses. Like, like there, there's got to be a way for the believer to become significant. Like, like, we don't have to become famous. We don't have to become glorious. But listen, the world may love us or hate us. They'll, love, they'll, they'll hate us. But, the, you know, people may love you or hate you. But, but we can't be in the, the position where we're just being ignored. I think most churches in our cities... It's not just that they're hated. It's not that they're loved. It's that most of the city doesn't know about them. You think about some of the most popular pastors in your city right now that all of the saints know about. You go out into the secular world and, and talk about that person, and no one knows who they are. It's as though there's an irrelevance to the church that we need to, we need to capture back the relevance of the body of Christ in our culture. And so, of course, you know, we, we, we moved on, though, in these past couple of years, and we, we, we concluded, of course, with holy desire. But today, you know, we, we, we had something going on. Just last week we were talking about it, and it had to do with praise. Um, see, now that you've written down your next seven years and we've talked about all those things, this praise thing is really burning in my spirit. I, I think that it's something that if we do this properly, it, it can change our lives. And so we talked last week about Mary and Elizabeth and how Mary got together with Elizabeth, her cousin, and they were talking about Elizabeth's pregnancy of John the Baptist and Mary's pregnancy with Jesus. And it says that when Mary came in to Elizabeth, this is Luke chapter 1, when Mary came in and, and, and greeted Elizabeth, the baby began leaping in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth, in, in, in seeing that, you know, she responded to Mary and, and says in Luke, Luke chapter 1, it says that blessed is she that believed, for he shall perform the thing that God would perform, the thing which he said would happen. I mean, that's 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 a powerful, a powerful thought. I mean, think about that. It's 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 really a um it really indeed is, this is Luke 145, a, a, a declaration of faith when, when Elizabeth says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. It didn't say there might be a fulfillment. It said there will be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. How do you handle what God tells you? See, all Elizabeth heard up to this point was the word. And she associated blessing with the word. See, all you have is the word. And because you have the word, you're blessed. Because you have what God has spoken, you're blessed. I know you can look at all types of realities in your life and say, well, I don't feel blessed, but you have God's word. And when Elizabeth had God's word here, she saw nothing happening when it came to the coming of Christ except that her cousin Mary was there. And so the promise had not yet been seen. 
And yet Elizabeth is declaring, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. See, in that sentence, it's literally suggesting that you don't see it yet, but you believe there will be a fulfillment of that which has been spoken by the Lord. That is a prophetic declaration from Elizabeth, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, the very next verse says this, and Mary said... My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. See, because the response to the declaration of faith ought to be praise. The response to the declaration of pray, uh, of faith ought to be rejoicing in God. He's, she said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And let me tell you something. These, these women were being allowed in that house. In verse 42 in Luke chapter 1, it says, Elizabeth, it says, she cried out with a loud voice. I mean, our sister was screaming here. She was screaming and crying out. I can't imagine that Elizabeth was screaming and crying out and then Mary got quiet. No, the, these are, you know how you get when you're with your cousins. Well, this is what's happening here. And Mary begins to exalt the Lord right there and then. And then begins to make some declarations. First of all, <clears throat> excuse me, he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Verse 48. Second of all, he that is mighty has done to me great things. Third of all, he has showed me strength with his arm. Fourth of all, he scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Fifth, he has put down the mighty from their seat and exalted them of low degree. Sixth, he has filled the hungry with good things. Seven, the rich he has sent away empty. Eight, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Now, this morning, what I want to tell you this is this. If you truly want to praise God, what must be done is you and I must tell God who he is. That's what Mary is, is doing here. She's remembering what God has done, and she's making a declaration of it. In the same way, we ought to tell him who he is. What does that look like? Your body can be racked with pain and sickness, and you tell God who he is. In praise. It's hallelujah, God, you are my healer. You are the one that restores my body. You restore my soul. You are my healer. And the praise and rejoicing comes with it. Why? Because you have the sure word. You have the sure word and the declaration of faith that has already been given to you right within these scriptures. That's why. That's how this is done. You praise God. God for what he has said just like Elizabeth did in Luke chapter 1 you can be dealing with financial problems and you still you praise God you give God praise because he is your provider you may be in a neighborhood where nobody knows the Lord or in your family where nobody knows the Lord they need to be saved they need to come to repentance they need their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ but right now they're smoking weed and drinking alcohol and gambling and they don't know anything about God they want nothing to do with God but you then can say Lord God I give you praise that you are the redeemer of all mankind and your salvation is available to all who believe thank you Lord Thank you for your great salvation that you'll open up their ears to hear the message of the gospel. Our praise life is important.
our praise life is important. If faith is to operate in our lives, we have to have a strong and established life of praise. We ought to have that that idea in our hearts that we bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in our mouth. I want to turn really quickly to Psalm chapter 103. It says here in Psalm 103, in fact, let me look at the New American Standard. I have an amplified Bible here, but I want to look at this in a New American Standard. Psalm 103, it says here, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, let's stop really quickly right there. If you're blessing the Lord with all that is in you, it is impossible for that to be some emotionless repetition of some prayer you see written down on a page. No, no, when you do something with all that's in you, when you praise God with all of your might, something different happens. You come out of the, 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 the character that you think you have. You come out of personality. You're just not the same when you praise God in this way with all that is within you. It's kind of one of those praises that make people kind of give you the side eye and kind of look at you a little bit, but it's okay. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now listen, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. You do know there's benefits with this. There's benefits with knowing God. There's benefits with blessing the Lord. Listen to the benefits. It says, who pardons all your iniquities. Listen, I think more than all of the benefits I know of, this is the one I needed the most. I needed my God problem to end. I needed to know a father who forgave and blessed. It says, he pardons our iniquities. Listen, heals all your diseases. See, there it is. But it's, uh, it's directly associated with your praise life. It's directly there. Listen, it says, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your, your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. You know, sometimes people may look up and they say, well, you know, I, I, I should have really done a lot of things for God when I was much younger. And now that I'm older, it's really too late. That's not what this scripture says. This scripture doesn't say that. It says it sati he satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed. Now, do you become younger? No, but life becomes as though you've become younger, meaning that your age is irrelevant in the sight of God. Listen, he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. One thing I, I realize is a lot of us, we have our ups and downs in our spiritual life. There, there's things about my spiritual life and my walk in Christ that, man, if I told you everything and all the details, I'd be embarrassed in telling you of some of the crazy decisions that I've made personally when it comes to my relationship with God, my relationship with faith. There have been times that I've, I've, I've doubted. There have been times that I've completely fallen and gone left. There have been times that, that, that you know, you'd, you'd be embarrassed to see me, right, where, where I got carnal or when I got where my mind went to a place that was angry or bitter, all those things. I've not been immune to any of it. But I'm going to tell you something. When God says in his word 
that he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, or another translation says compassion. Oh, my goodness. It means that even in my, my worst, most vile state that I can remember, my God still loved me, and he still loves you. It says he satisfies your years. We talked about that so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. It says the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Now, listen, many of us have been through some things. We've been through some hard things. We've been through some things that kept us up at night crying, crying out before God. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn your tears into triumph. I want to you to turn your crying into praising and glorifying the Lord of hosts. See, once we start to do that, that's when the victory comes. There may have been disappointment and failure. There may have been abuse. There may have been slander against you. All those things may have happened. They've happened to many of us. But when you, the feelings associated with those things, when you turn those feelings into praise unto God, what you're doing is you're letting your enemy know that what he tried to do, what he tried to get out of you did not and will not work. It won't work. Listen to this. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Glory to God. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Stop right there. I want you to remember maybe the, the worst thing you've done. Do you realize that whatever fallout you're feeling from the worst thing you've done, not from God. It is not from God. The fallout of your sin, that inner turmoil that you may experience because of the sin that you've committed, that is not from the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Because it says here, right here, that he has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. The condemnation you feel is from the enemy. Romans chapter 8 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You see that? There is no condemnation. Now, if you're walking after the flesh, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you concerning what's happening right now. The Holy Spirit convicts you for what's happening right now. But listen, he's not going to dig back 10 years ago and keep bothering you about that because he promises in his word that he will not deal with us according to our sins nor reward us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Listen, what that means is that the sins that you've committed in the past have zero impact on the faith you're able to operate in today. Some people may say, well, I did a lot of bad things and so that's why God can't bless me. It's because I've... I've committed some sins in my past that, you know, that are affecting me today. Well, no. How about no? How about no? How about Psalm 103? How about con considering the idea that God has already forgiven you? If you have repented of your sins, it says if we confess our sins, friend, 
He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from how much unrighteousness? First John 1, it says, it says, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not some of it, but cleanse you from all of it. And so he's removed your transgressions. Just, it says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. See, there's something special about when we begin to praise God. Remember, all that I just said to you is connected with the idea of praise. All that I just said to you is connected with the idea of blessing God with all that is within you. There is a praise that we ought to lift up before God that goes far beyond just the, the quiet repetition of a prayer written on a paper. There is a praise that God has called us to bring that goes high. I mean, shout unto God as though he's so high up that your voice has to reach him, right? Like, like glorify his name, bless him, start your day off, end your day in praise. This is what God has called us to. And when you, when you establish this life of praise, it's like, man, brother, sister, faith just turns on like the ignition in a car. Faith comes alive and active when you have a life of praise. And so it is urgent, it is vital, my brothers and sisters, that we have this praise life that is, that is un, unstoppable. You know, I often say lose everything, but don't let the devil take away your faith. But you know, you show that. You show that the devil cannot take away your faith when you don't let the devil take away your praise. I've seen people go through the hardest times of life and praise, praise of God to stay inside their mouth. And they come through triumphant 100% of the time. 100% of the time. They come through in triumph. They come through in victory and glory and virtue because the praises of God were continually in their mouth 100% of the time. Sometimes we have an expected answer and God does things in a way that we did not expect. But 100% of the time, you hold on to your faith, all things will work out for the good to those who love God and to those who are the call according to his purpose. I want you to love on him and watch everything work together for the good because this thing works 100% of the time. I remember some of the greatest tragedies of my life, the hardest moments of my life, and I had the honor. Once I learned this, once I learned, before I learned it was a different story, but once I learned this, things were different. When I learned that even in the worst of circumstances, that the praises of God remain in my mouth. It's like the nearness and closeness of God came to where he didn't, it's like I never felt alone when I had the praises of God in my mouth. There was no other time when I felt like he was more with me than when I was praising God. It's like his presence just came. It says in the scripture in, in Psalms that he inhabits the praises of Israel. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There, there's something to that. There's something to that when we praise God that he begins to inhabit those praises. Like his presence comes. It show, his presence shows up. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit shows up. And all of a sudden what we have is we have the, the, the environment where faith can operate. 
And so when you're telling God he is your healer and you feel the pain in your body, but whatever body parts you have that can move, you're moving them for his glory and praising him. Oh, you better believe the Lord himself is there with you. That's right, if you're struggling with strongholds, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with bitterness and offense, I'm telling you, you repent of your sins and you get to rejoicing and God will enable you to forgive anyone. He will enable you to forgive anyone. Praise is the demonstration of our victory over the enemy. It is a demonstration of it all. When we are praising God, we have the stage set to operate in faith. That is the victory that overcomes the world. It, does, it says that in scripture, that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. This is it, even our faith. God is doing something mighty in the lives of people who will not allow the praises of God to cease from their mouth. And listen, we only have a certain amount of time on this earth to do this. It says in the scripture, again, Psalm 103. It says, God knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And as for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind, when the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And his place acknowledges it no longer. But listen to this. For every day that we know, that our uh, we know our days are numbered. It says, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those that fear him. What that means is that there is not a moment that exists in the future where the Lord's loving kindness is not there. His loving kindness. Think about, you know, we're talking about the next seven years. I want you to understand that for every one of those seven years, the loving kindness of the Lord is there. The loving kindness of the Lord is always there. He keeps loving you. He keeps pouring out his love to, his love to you. It says his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant. Listen, this is not just for you, but it's for your children, for your offspring, those who come after you. God has set the stage for you to be blessed all the days of your life because his loving kindness just doesn't stop. And so the psalm, it says here, it says the Lord, it, it, it says to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them, right? Keep his covenant. Do his precepts. Obey the Lord. Lay yourself before him. Be holy. Do the God stuff. Your future is assured when you do this. Victory, glory, virtue is assured. When you do this, don't lose your faith. Keep the praises of God in your mouth. It says here, the Lord established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. And then the psalmist goes right back to praise. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all of you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah, see, there's something about praise that gives us the revelation of the promise that God has given us. There's something about praise that gives us revelation 
of faith, the realization that the Lord is with us. There is something about it that, that just, it's like it fixes everything. And I admonish you to have that praise life. Not just a prayer life, but a praise life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your people. I pray, Lord God, that you teach us all to have a praise life, to glorify you and worship you in the beauty of your holiness, Lord, to lift you up and magnify you every day of our lives. Oh, God, make us radical praisers. Get us out of our personality, oh, God. Make us undignified to praise you so that your name might be glorified and so that we might be able to operate in the faith of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, I feel in my spirit there's so much more to praise God about even now. Um, listen, I thank God for you. Thank God for, for you joining us on First Love Online Church. Some of you who, who are here now and some of you who will listen at a later recording, thank you for, for joining us. Um, I, I'd like for you to, toward the end of this year, I know that we're headed toward the end of the year, I'd like for us to really, we have a lot that we're doing right now in First Love Fellowship as far as outreaches are concerned to those who are in need, uh, those who are survivors of trafficking, those who are uh, uh, addicted, um, you know, the Matthew 25 mandate, right? I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. Uh, you know, I was thirsty and you gave me to drink, right? All of that, we're, we're, we're reaching out to people. The impact is great. You know, out in Maryland, they're, they're literally feeding their uh, an entire apartment complex on the first floor of the building, Right. And, 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 and here in Tulsa, every, you know, later on today, I'm going out to the merchant to bring the gospel to those who are living in the streets. But we need your help in order to get that done. And so I'm asking you to give uh, today. I'm asking you to give generously to uh, the work that God is doing here at First Love Fellowship. So if God has blessed you, if God has poured into your life, I want you to remember the Lord in your giving. I want you to remember what he's, he's done for you and pour that out onto the body of Christ and the work that he's doing in First Love Fellowship. Um, let's, let's, so let's remember not just our giving for today, but consider what type of end of year giving you'll be doing. Uh, it's very important that we take the giving seriously. We're going to be talking about giving soon. I haven't been released to do it just yet, but we're going to really dive into what that's all about. And no, I'm not going to give you a lecture on tithing. I'm going to really talk about what New Testament giving is. And also, uh, remember prayer on Tuesdays. We have several major announcements coming up because God is shifting things in a very positive way at First Love Fellowship. But even so, we need your support in order to move forward and get this done. Your prayerful support and your financial support. And so thank you for, for those of you who do support. You can go to wearefirstlove.com. We are firstlove.com and you can go to the giving link there and give from there. So thank you so much for, for joining us on First Love Online Church. And remember one more thing. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, today is the day to get on your knees and repent of your sins. And once you have repented, once you have had your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, go to rejoicing for the great salvation you've received. See, faith even saving faith operates in the exact same way. So anyhow, God bless you. I thank God for you. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in the next seven years. Be blessed. Thank you so much for listening. 
Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. Always remember your first love. He gave